0: Hi, my name is Matthew. I'm, ex- I'm from the Deacon Christian Union mission team. I'm excited to be partnering with you this week to be learning about Jesus. Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians 11. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do, and I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, You even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you and takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit, we were too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of the damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a base basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands.
1: Hello, my name's Ollie. I'm one of the ministers here at our church, and I'm going to be giving our sermon today. But as we begin, we're going to come before God in prayer. So please pray with me. Almighty God, your word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. May you work through it now to grow us and shape us to be like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with this book series. It's called For Dummies. And for those unfamiliar with it, basically the premise of this book series is that they try and say things simply and easily in a way that anyone, even a dummy could understand. Hence the title For Dummies. There's uh, lots of books in this series. In fact, there's over 340 different books covering different topics, all trying to explain them in simple, easy ways. For example, there's cooking for dummies. I thought this might be a good one for John to have a bit of a flip through so that he might be able to do some cooking at his house. And so Vaughn, that's your Christmas shopping for the year done, just get John this. Or what about this one? This one is hobby farming for dummies. I thought this might be great for Michelle, seeing as she loves her plants so much, why not take it up another notch and start a hobby farm from her backyard? And there's countless more of these books, all written in a simple and easy way so that anyone can understand them because that's the key to this series. What the authors do, even though they themselves are experts on the topic, they lower themselves down to the level of their audience. They lower themselves down. They use simple language, concrete illustrations, all so that anyone can understand. And in a sense, what we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is Paul's own For Dummies book. Paul gets down to the audience's level and he uses simple language and simple illustrations. And he gives them his For Dummies. Well, what's the title of Paul's for dummies book? Well, 2 Corinthians 11 could be described as wisdom for dummies. Paul tells us how to be a fool and he tells us how to be wise. He shows us what it looks like to be a fool and he shows us what it looks like to be wise. And as we'll see in a minute, this is certainly a message that the Corinthians needed to hear, but it's also a message that's important for us to hear. Because I'm sure none of us want to be a fool. None of us want to be thought of as unwise or stupid or foolish. No, the opposite. We want to be wise and thoughtful and switched on. And so Paul's wisdom for dummies will hopefully help us to be wise. It'll help us to see what fools do and therefore to avoid doing that. And it will help us to see what wise people do and therefore to do that. And so the first half of Paul's wisdom for dummies centers around fools. It shows us how to be a fool. Just like any good for dummies book, Paul lowers himself down to the audience's level. And he's speaking particularly to the Corinthians here. And in, so in verse one, he says to them, I'm gonna speak like a fool. You Corinthians are constantly acting like fools. So it should be good and easy for you to understand. And then what he does is he points to four things that the Corinthians have been doing, four things that they've been doing that's foolish. And so how do we be a fool? Well, we do what the Corinthians do. We ignore those who love us. We listen to lies. We choose show over substance. And we encourage exploitation. And so if we wanna be a fool, the first thing we do is we ignore those who love us. That's what the Corinthians were doing. They were ignoring Paul who loved them so deeply. In fact, he loves them so much that he refers to himself as like their spiritual father. He's like their spiritual father of the bride, wanting to protect them, wanting to care for them, wanting to present them pure to their husband, Christ. Have a look at verse 2 with me. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. See, the Bible uses this picture quite a bit of Christians being engaged to Christ, awaiting the glorious day when our spiritual marriage to him will be consummated when we'll have the most wonderful wedding celebration the world has ever seen. And what a joyful day that will be, when all of the sadness and difficulties and pain of the world is gone forever. As the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, wipes away our tears and leads us into our eternal home, into our eternal paradise. But the thing is, we're not there yet. And so in the meantime, there'll be trials and temptations. There'll be slick looking suitors desperate to steal us away from our husband to be Christ. And Paul loves the Corinthians so much that he says he's like their spiritual father of the bride wanting to protect them because that's what a spiritual, that's what a father of the bride does, doesn't he? I often joke with Cassie that if we ever have a daughter, I will be the most fearsome father of the bride you could ever imagine. I'll make any young man that comes to steal my daughter's hand, I'll make him tremble in fear as he faces me and as he asks me for permission to marry her. That's what fathers of the bride do. They protect their daughter. And it was even more so the case in those times, in biblical times as the daughter lived under the father's roof until the day of her marriage. Until the day of her marriage, it was her father's job to protect her. Until the day of her marriage, it was her father's job to keep her safe. And Paul says, that's how much he loves them. That's what he's like. But sadly, the Corinthians were acting like fools. They were ignoring Paul, the one who loved them so deeply. And instead... They were being sucked in by these so-called super apostles. That's how Paul describes them in verse 5. And now he doesn't actually mean that they're super. It's an ironic term, a sarcastic term for these ones who are trying to steal away the Corinthians from their bridegroom, Christ. And the first part of Paul's wisdom for dummies says, if you want to be a fool, then be like the Corinthians. If you want to be a fool, then ignore those who love you. And it raises the question for us, in what way do we sometimes do that? Do we sometimes ignore those who speak hard truths to us? Are we drawn to those who make us feel good and say what we want to hear, rather than those who actually have our best interests at heart? Do we ignore those who love us enough to point us towards God? Or do we instead chase after those who are trying to steal us away from our bridegroom, Christ? In what ways do we sometimes act like a fool by ignoring those who love us? And the next thing that fools do is they listen to lies. Paul says the Corinthians are like Eve in Genesis chapter 3, who listened to the lies of the serpent, the lies that questioned God's goodness and God's commands. She listened to those lies and she ate the fruit, and it led to untold damage and destruction. And Paul tells the Corinthians, that's what you're like. That's what you're doing. You're listening to lies. And just like with Eve, these lies have devastating consequences. Because did you see what the consequences are in verse 3? It leads them away from Christ. See, these so-called super apostles are feeding them lies. They're distorting the gospel. And the Corinthians are eating it up. Now, it's hard to know exactly what these lies were that the so-called super apostles were telling them, but perhaps they were similar lies to those lies told today. Lies about Jesus that say he didn't care about sin, that Jesus never confronted sin and was happy for people to go on living as they pleased, that Jesus would just want you to be true to who you are. Or lies about the Holy Spirit, that we don't need him, that we're capable in our own strength, to accomplish God's will, or lies about the gospel, that it's all about us, that we're the center of it, that everything revolves around us. See, right throughout history, there's been lies told to God's people, lies told to try and steal us away from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And Paul, in his Wisdom for Dummies, says the way of the fool is to listen to those lies, those destructive lies. These lies that completely destroy our spiritual health if we're not careful. See, that's why only fools listen to lies. And fools also choose show over substance. The Corinthians were choosing these showy, flashy, super apostles over the substance of Paul. Did you see that in verses five to six? Have a look with me. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. I mean, imagine that. Imagine having the greatest evangelist and church planter and theologian that's ever existed, Paul, and choosing someone else instead. That's like having Michael Jordan offered a coach in basketball. And to knock him back for someone else because he prefers someone else's fashion sense. I mean, it's ridiculous. If ever anyone was a substance guy, it was Paul. God, in his mercy, had worked so powerfully through Paul. He'd planted many, many churches. He'd shared the gospel with countless people. He'd authored much of the New Testament, and the Corinthians had sat under that ministry. They'd been spiritually fed by him. They'd seen his substance. And yet, what did they do? Well, they chose show over substance. They went for those who were flashy and those who were charming in the way they spoke, instead of the one who was biblically sound. They went for those who used big, fancy words, instead of the one who used simple words that were easy to understand. They went for those who were dressed nicely and had a great exterior, but whose interior character was so sorely lacking, instead of the one who was overflowing with godliness. See, only a fool would do that. Only a fool would choose show over substance. And it's easy to sit there and shake our head at the Corinthians, as we should, it's pathetic. But how quickly we can fall into the same temptation. How easily we can focus on the externals, the way someone dresses. Are they formal enough or are they informal enough? The words they use, do they use big enough words? Do they, sound, uh, do they sound smart enough? The way they present themselves, are they flashy? Are they funny? Are they charming? Are they charismatic? How easily we can focus on those externals and therefore ignore the one with substance. The one who might not be so charming, who might not draw such a large crowd, but who has such depth of character, who has such overflowing godliness, who has such sound biblical teaching. See, we need to be on guard lest we become fools just like the Corinthians, unless we choose show over substance. And finally, Paul's wisdom for dummies tells us fools encourage exploitation. In verses 7 to 15, Paul gives us a bit of an update on what was going on there. See, Paul and his desire to love the Corinthians hadn't charged them anything. He'd given them the gospel free of charge because he loved them so much he didn't want money to be an issue that got in the way of them hearing the gospel, in the way of them believing But the thing was, that was quite unusual for the time. Normally, speakers at those times charged people for their message. And so along came these so-called super apostles and they told the Corinthians, you get what you pay for. It's a little bit like the saying, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. They said to the Corinthians, you've paid peanuts. That is, you haven't paid anything. And so therefore, who did you get? Well, you got a monkey, you got Paul, you got this guy who's no good. And of course, what happened was that the Corinthians were so mixed up that they heard this and they believed it, which is just so against the way the Bible presents it. Because right throughout the Bible, God is continually commending those who willingly sacrifice themselves, who willingly give themselves up for the sake of the gospel. And so, of course, God commends this attitude of Paul. Yet they hear it and they're like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. And so then it's an opportunity for these so-called super apostles to exploit them, to charge them money for the message that the super apostles give them, to take away all of their money for this false message, for these lies. And not only did the Corinthians accept this, they encouraged it, they welcomed it. In fact, it got so bad that Paul says, these so-called super apostles are from Satan. Have a look at verses 13 to 15. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. He says that this exploitation by the super apostles is satanic. Why? Well, because they're exploiting God's people. They're leading them astray. And they're stopping them from hearing the gospel. That is the work of Satan. And that is why it's so foolish to encourage exploitation. It's encouraging our own demise and our own destruction. And so that's the first half of Paul's wisdom for dummies. He tells us how to be a fool. And it's easy again for us to sit here and to shake our head and to think, silly Corinthians, how could you be so foolish? But of course, it's always easier to spot someone else's foolishness, to spot someone else's flaws. It's easy to see what they're missing, yet be blind to what we're doing. And so it's worth reflecting on, do we sometimes do the same? Maybe sometimes we ignore those who love us, and we follow after those who only cause us harm. Maybe sometimes we listen to lies, lies that tell us what our itching ears want to hear, but lies that distort the gospel. Maybe sometimes we choose show over substance. We look on the outside rather than consider what's on the inside. Maybe sometimes we even encourage exploitation. We're sucked in by those who want to use us for their own selfish ends. It's worth reflecting on, are we falling into the same trap as the Corinthians? Are we acting like fools? If we are, then what's the solution? Well, that's what the second half of Paul's wisdom for dummies tells us. It tells us how to be wise. And it revolves around something that's perhaps a little bit surprising. Did you see what it was in verse 16? It revolves around boasting. Now, straight away we see that Paul realises he's saying something a little bit strange sounding because he makes it clear that he's doing it a little bit ironically. He says, you've been listening to the boasting of these so-called super apostles who go around telling everyone just how great they are. And so he says, I'm going to show you how to boast. I'm going to show you what genuine wise boasting looks like. And so Paul's wisdom for dummies says, if you're going to boast, then the wise person boasts in sufferings, not in success, and in weakness, not in strength. And we see Paul do just that. Because as successful as Paul's ministry was, did you see any mention of it there? Did you see any mention of the churches he's planted? Of the converts that came from his teaching? Of the countless lost souls saved? Did you see any mention of it? We don't. We see a little bit of a mention of Paul's qualifications, that he's a Hebrew and a servant of Christ. But after that, he spends most of his time boasting in his sufferings. It's an incredible list that he gives us and I'm going to read it out for us and as I do, just reflect on the sufferings that Paul went through and in particular, the way that this could be what he boasts in. That this would be what he'd boast in for the sake of the gospel. So I'm going to read from verse 23 onwards. Just have a listen as I do. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles in danger in the city in danger in the country in danger at sea and in danger from false believers i have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep i have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food i have been cold and naked besides everything else i face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches what an incredible list is that? How countercultural is that? See, we live in a culture that glorifies success. Things like LinkedIn, where you parade your career success. Things like social media, where you show the successes of your life and of your relationships and of your wealth. Because you don't see people putting up posts about their sufferings and how poorly things are going. No, we boast, we parade about our success. So why then does Paul focus on his sufferings and not on his successes? Why does he boast in his sufferings? Well, it's because it's in our sufferings rather than in our success that keeps us humbly dependent on God. See, when we think and boast about our successes, it makes us feel like we don't need God. It makes us feel like we're sufficient in our own capabilities. But when we suffer and when we're reminded about our sufferings, it's then that we're driven to our knees in humble dependence upon God. It reminds us that we can't do it alone. We can't make it on our own. We need God. It's when we're suffering and when we're struggling, when we really feel like we can't cope, then God is truly seen as the great provider. And so that's why if we want to be wise, then we boast in our sufferings because it's in our sufferings that we rely most heavily upon God. And if we want to be wise, then similarly, we'll boast in our weakness, not in our strength. Have a look at verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. See, Paul's not interested in looking strong, but rather in looking weak. Again, it's so countercultural. Today we cover up our weaknesses, we hide them away. We don't like the whiff of weakness. We feel ashamed at looking weak and insufficient. We dislike being wrong, particularly when others know that we're wrong. We want to seem wise and in control and fully informed. Yet Paul says that to be wise, we need to boast in our weakness. Why? Well, because it's in boasting in our weaknesses that we acknowledge God is God and we are not. It acknowledges that we're limited, finite beings. Boasting in our weakness drives us to lean on and trust in God. And even more so because the gospel is a gospel of weakness. It says that God, the almighty King of the universe, humbled himself to come down as a weak and lowly man. He didn't have a ministry of great battles and glorious conquests, but of meekness and humbleness and subjugation to sin. And the one who created all things was hung on a cross, lowly, seemingly defeated, weak. But it was in that very weakness, that we see the greatest demonstration of power the world has ever seen. We see power shown in that weakness, victory snatched from defeat, sin conquered by death. See, this is the message of the gospel, the message that brings life and hope to the world, that by his weakness, Jesus defeated sin and death. And so when we're feeling weak and foolish, when we're feeling inadequate, when we cringe at our own mistakes, when we wish we could take back the foolish things we've said, we can find comfort in the truth that Jesus still loves us in our weakness. And we can have great confidence that because of Jesus' weakness on the cross, our own sin and weakness has been dealt with once and for all. See, that's why we boast in weakness because it reminds us of the wondrous hope of the gospel. And that's why Paul's Wisdom for Dummies tells us to boast not in our success and in our strength, but instead in our sufferings and in our weakness. Because only when we do, will we be driven to the cross. I love how the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, puts this. This is what it says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ his death and resurrection. Well, how do we be wise? Well, by having that mindset. By boasting not in ourselves, not in our own gifts and capabilities, not in our own wisdom or knowledge, but instead boasting in the death and resurrection of Jesus, where suffering and weakness was the greatest display of power the world has ever seen a display of power so great that it defeated even sin and death itself. And so if we want to be wise, then how could we boast in anything other than Christ's death and resurrection? I'm going to pray and thank God for the wonderful power shown in Christ's weakness. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that reminds us that it's in weakness and suffering that you defeated sin and death. Please help us to be wise, help us not to look to our own strength, to not to look to our own successes, but instead humbly turn to you. Humbly remember our weakness and our sufferings as they drive us to you and the forgiveness that you offer on the cross. Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the forgiveness he offers us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.